Our program tonight, I'll begin with some introductory remarks. <coughs> Sheikh Amin Muhammad is our first speaker. He'll speak until Salat al-Isha, which is at 8.40. After Isha, we have a small promo from Zaytuna College, where only have taken Imam Zayd from Zaytuna College. He's on loan from Zaytuna College for us. We're going to have a promo for Zaytuna College for about 15 minutes. Then Imam Zaid will speak. Okay. When Imam Zaid speaks, uh, also when you get, mashallah, that big, there are rules. No one can record aside from the host, which is MBIC camera. So anyone else who is recording Imam Zaid, uh, at that point, please turn your cameras off. After Imam Zaid speaks, then inshallah maybe we can have a chance for some, uh, some dialogue, some questions and answers, and that'll be our program. The title of this uh, event came to my mind quite a while back, and it has two meanings. Two meanings were inspired from a talk that Imam Zaid gave at the Nas MSA National uh, Program at ISNA this last year in which he said, we often talk about extremes like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Boko Haram. These are all extremists. We know that they're extremists. But there can't be only one extreme. If there's a middle, there are two extremes, one on each side. Extreme, violent extremists on one end who are rejecting the modern world to an extreme. The opposite extreme are those ingesting, ingesting the modern world and its purported values to an extreme. There are always two extremes between terrorism and liberalism. Between filth and blood. Allah describes animals. He describes the filth where all the defecation is stored in the in in, after the intestines, under the intestines. And the blood, where there's blood. Between that comes out pure milk. There can't be one extreme. There's always two extremes. The first meaning of this title is that guidance, what is our guidance when we're under fire? In other words, under aggression. Physically, literally, people are being shot. People are being killed. Women. Oftentimes, just because of their hijab, are being mocked, looked at, looked down on. Once you're known as a Muslim in your workplace, you might face some of this. And this, is, this country is rather soft in comparison to places like Europe, where people are more openly and virulently hateful of Muslims. What is our guidance under these circumstances? So these are some practical, everyday pieces of advice. Sheikh Amin, inshallah, will speak about that. After Isha, Imam Zaid will speak to us on the other meaning of this title. Our guidance literally is under fire. Our sunnah and our deen is under attack. The other day I received a letter, an email, about a supposed so-called Jumu'ah prayer 
That was a new Jum'ah prayer. That was a mixed gathering. Men and women in the same row. And on top of that, the Jum'ah, to accommodate to modern times, was taking place after work at 6 p.m. These types of things, it's like flavor of the week. It's flavor of the week. Someone is coming up and really this is the new Ahlul Bid'ah. In the past, if you look, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah were always concerned about a people called Ahlul Bid'ah. People who are bringing something and transforming and reshaping the deen without any authority, knowledge, and know-how. And what they're doing is creating poison. This, our guidance itself, is under fire from such people. So this is the theme of this. This is the title and this is the theme. The internal and the external. So we'll begin with the external of Vahid. What is our guidance? How did the Prophet and the Sahaba handle when they were persecuted physically, externally, outwardly? Our guest speaker, Sheikh Amin Muhammad. Sheikh Amin is a prolific teacher. He's teaching almost 24 hours a day. If there were eight days a week, he'd be too busy teaching. He teaches here, he teaches in Minnesota a lot. He teaches all over the country. He's a specialist in the science of hadith and aqidah. He's a specialist in these fields. He studied with Sheikh Samir al-Nas, who will be here with us. He's bringing him here April 21st. He studied extensively with the ulama of Sham. Currently, Sheikh Amin is the Imam of Masjid Muhammad in Atlantic City. Please welcome Sheikh Amin Muhammad. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Lahum ni'matu wa lahu fadlu wa lahu thanau al-hasan Wa salawatullahi barril rahim Wal malaikati al-mukarrabim Ala sayyidina wa habibina wa kurrati ayunina muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in أسأل الله تبارك وتعالى أن يجعل نياتنا خالقة لوجه الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته First of all, let me thank Dr. Shadi and the community of NBIC and Imam Zaid and everyone who helped bring this program to a reality. Let me thank you first and foremost as the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to thank the people for all those good things that they do. And among the best things we can do is gather to spread beneficial knowledge amongst each other. On our topic, how the Prophet وسلم, and please do me a favor, whenever you hear the name of the Prophet وسلم, we should see the lips of everyone moving. 
when the and how the Prophet وسلم, and the companions ajma'een, how they dealt or how they handled adversity. And the first thing we should talk about when we talk about the Prophet وسلم, and the companions dealing with adversity is to deal with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Prophet with and what was his original purpose. And Allah wa ta'ala mentioned that in the Quran and this is going to be the theme by which I talk about how the Prophet and his companions handled adversity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the Prophet وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We only sent you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as a mercy to all of the creation. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he emphasized this point. In a hadith, which is the first hadith we learn from our teachers. That they made it a habit before they started to teach us anything about the hadith of the Prophet The first hadith they taught us was a hadith from the route of one of the great companions radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he said that the Prophet said, الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء which means that the merciful people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ar-Rahman he will be merciful to them so be merciful to the people on the earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one who has control over the heavens and everything in them, he will be merciful to you. And we asked our teachers, why this is the first hadith? Why this hadith? He said, this is to teach the student and to teach the listener who hears the words of the Prophet wasallam that the first thing they hear that this deen that the Prophet was sent with is deen al-Rahmah, is the religion of mercy. So the basis of how the Prophet and his companions dealt with every situation they were confronted with, they had this aspect of Rahmah as a key foundational point in their dealings with others. So the Prophet told us that we're going to be in times of adversity, of difficulty, of hardship. And I want you to pay attention because I'm going to tie the hadith I mentioned in that verse until, into, uh, into the adversities and the hardships and what the Prophet وسلم, he said about them. That same companion, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he, he narrated in what Imam Muslim related in his Sahih, that 
And look at the situation he narrated this. He was resting and sitting in the shade of Al-Kaaba. I want you to think about this. That this companion, when he's going to talk about this hadith, look at his situation. He's not in adversity. He's not in hardship. He's not in calamities. He's sitting in the shade of Al-Kaaba. He's relaxed. And then he tells this hadith of the Prophet wasallam that one day they were on a journey with the Prophet wasallam and they stopped to rest. And everyone was dealing with the different matters that travelers do, fixing their luggage, putting things together, getting ready to depart after they finish resting. And the Prophet wasallam he had one of his mu'adhan, one of those people, call out to the people, As-salatu jami'ah. And we know this is what is called during the Eid. We're going to gather, it's called out, As-salatu jami'ah. The prayer is gathering. Get together because what's going to come is important. So those companions, they gather around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And then the Prophet sallallahu spoke to him. And I want us to focus in because it's going to give us really the reality of what we should do when we're in hardships, when we're in difficulties, when we're in tribulations. Because this is the exact advice that the Prophet ﷺ told and that great companion Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As when he related about the hadith of mercy, the same companion related this. The Prophet ﷺ he said, إِنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ نَبِيٌّ قَبْلِي إِلَّا كَانَ, كان حَقًّا عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَدُلَّ أُمَتَهُ عَلَى خَيْرِ يَعْلَمَهُ لَهُ لَهُمْ That no prophet came before me except that it was the right of his nation upon him to explain to them or to guide them to every good that he knows for them to guide them to every good so they're not going to leave anything out then the prophet sallallahu said and to warn them against any evil that he knows for them i want you to think about the prophet this is a mercy it's rahmah the fact every prophet came with this that they're going to give you everything that is good for you. And this is vast. Fiddin wa dunya wal akhirah. In the religion, in this world, in the hereafter. Everything that's good for you, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's going to explain it to you. He's going to guide you towards it. So that means that everything that we hear from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's either going to be some good in it for us or it's going to be a warning of some evil. So we should pay attention. Whenever we hear call Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, automatically we should listen. We should gather all of our being to see what is this of good and what is it that's going to protect us from the evil. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us about this nation. And this is the best nation. Of all the nations, 
this nation of Muhammad وسلم, is the best. He said, وَإِنَّ أُمَتَكُمْ هَذِهِ جُئِلَ آفِيَتُهَا فِي أَوَّلِهَا وَسَيُصِيبُ آخِرَهَا بَلَاءٍ وَأُمُورٍ تُنْكِرُونَهَا That this nation of yours, and here's something, look, in the, look at the words. Umatukum, your nation. And he's talking to the companions. So we should look at this nation, one nation. Whatever afflicts it, afflicts every single one of us. It's your nation, right? He didn't just say, Umati, my nation. He said, your nation. So that means you should take concern of what is, happen with, what is happening with the Ummah. He said that the Afia, the well-being, the real success, and I want you to look at the whole thing. Fiddin, dunya wal akira. In the religion, in this world, in the hereafter, the afia of this nation of ours is in its beginning. And it is that they are going to have a good situation compared to what's going to come after them. Those early Muslims, so when we read about the companions, what they went through, and that's in a state of well-being, what's going to come later is going to be much diff more difficult. And he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, وَسَيُسِيبُ آخِرَهَا بَلَاءٌ وَأُمُورٌ تُنْكِرُونَهَا And the last part of this nation is going to be afflicted with calamities and many matters that we're going to dislike. So there's going to be adversity and hardship and difficulties. And then the Prophet gave more sallallahu alayhi wa sallam description. He said, fitnatun. Then fitna is going to come. Adversity, sedition, trials. That's going to come to the nation. And listen to this description about it. He said, فَيُرَاقِكُ بَعْضُهَا بَعْضًا That one part of this fitna that's going to come is going to make the one come after it look light and insignificant, easy. So every time you're going to have a fitna, the one that's going to come after it going to make the one previous look like it wasn't nothing. And you should keep this in mind. Because we see all of these seditions in the world, in our religion, in our communities, in our ummah, and sometimes we're like, the Prophet said it's going to be light compared to what's coming after it. Then he said, He's going to see another fitna is going to come, and he's going to say, This fitna right here. It's my destruction. It's over. It's over for me. No way out. Then the Prophet وسلم, he said, And then it's going to be removed. It's going to go away. And then another fitna is going to come. What a fitna to fayakulul mu'min, havihi havihi. 
Another one comes, this one for sure, this is it. And the Prophet وسلم, after telling us these fitness going to come, and I want you to look as Dr. Shadi mentioned, ISIS, problems in Syria, problems in the other countries, problems in Yemen now. These tribulations, these calamities, how we should act. How the companions would act in this. How would the Prophet وسلم, the Prophet gave us a reminder here. After talking about all these fitness that's going to come, all these calamities, all these adversities, he said, فَمَنْ أَحَبَّ Whoever wants to be removed away from the hellfire, whoever would love to be removed away from the hellfire and be admitted into paradise. Which should tell us something where the mind of the believer should be in the time of fitna. It should be on being removed from the hellfire and being admitted into paradise. So if we look at the companions, every time they were confronted, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, with an affliction, with a hardship, with a difficulty, they always kept in mind the hereafter. Am I going to be protected from the hellfire? And am I going to be admitted into paradise? That is something that one should be concerned about. So if you have this concern, and every believer who is a real believer should have this concern. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُوا That the real believer and when we use this إِنَّمَا that means it's exclusively this person that's whatever is mentioned after that that one is the real, real, real believer who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger they thereafter never doubt no doubt that the hereafter is real. And that's something that's practical in our lives. They were concerned about this issue. Why this issue? Our teachers mentioned to us that this issue is important because in the time of fitna, we're going to be incapable of changing a lot of the matters that we see. When the companions were in Mecca, they couldn't change the situation. And they had a lot of affliction. And one beautiful story was the Prophet ﷺ. He had his worst enemy in Mecca, Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl, he used to torture the Prophet with his words with his actions. And I want to show you the mercy of the Prophet in regard to this. He's, he's getting the people to attack the Prophet, getting the people to attack the companions, slandering the Prophet, talking bad about him. And I want you to think about the Prophet in this situation. He's known as Al-Amin and they're calling him a liar. He go out of his house and he passes by no one except they call him a liar. 
How do you think this hurts the heart of the Prophet? This is worse than a picture. This is worse than making a movie. He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, said about him, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ أَنِ الْحَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُحَىٰ The Prophet doesn't speak from his own. It's revelation from Allah. And you calling him a liar. SubhanAllah. Imagine the heart of the Prophet And this man is at the head of it. He used to follow the Prophet And one time, he noticed the path that the Prophet used to always take in Mecca. And he decided he's going to harm the Prophet. And he dug a hole, a ditch. And he covered it with date palm tree leaves and blocked it out so the Prophet didn't know what was there. And to show you something about the believers, they had a thiqa billah. They had confidence and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah would protect them. The Prophet sallallahu and his companions, even in the hardships, was under the inayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, under that divine supervision all the time. Even they're in hardship, they know for sure, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كُنْتُمْ Allah is with you, no matter where you at. They have this. This was a part of their, ran through their blood in their veins. That's where they were. So the Prophet Allah guided him away from that path. He didn't take it. For a period, to Abu Jahl, he forgot about what he did. And he took that path and he fell in that ditch. I imagine this case. This is the worst enemy of the Prophet Among the most severe in persecuting the Prophet and his companions. He falls in there. And at that time, the Prophet walks towards that area. And he hears Abu Jahl in the hole. He didn't know who it was. He hears somebody trying to get out. And he looks and he sees Ahmad ibn Hisham. He sees Abu Jahl. I imagine one of us, what would we have done to Abu Jahl in that situation? I can imagine that. Not the Prophet. He looked. He said, What's wrong? Abu Jahl. He said, Some wretched person dug a hole and I fell in it. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Look at the Prophet. He put his hand and he pulled him out. He pulled him out. And this gesture, though a physical gesture, had a real spiritual meaning behind it. In other words, he was pulling him out the hellfire and showing him how to be admitted into paradise. Yeah, we looked at the physical part, but there was a spiritual reality inside that action of the Prophet And he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That's how he dealt with it That's how he taught his companions When he went To Ta'if They stoned him 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he got out there, was going to destroy that place. But the Prophet wasallam, he didn't want that. He was thinking about the future generations that would come and that would embrace his message. He was a man of rahmah. I want to return to this hadith and think about the advice of the Prophet. So he told us that. And then look what he said. Let his death come while he is believing in Allah. And what is Iman? What is Iman? The scholar said, Al-Iman huwa at-tasdiqul jazim. It is an absolute conviction that overwhelms the heart. That's Iman. That's real faith. And that makes the person in no doubt about Allah. Allah told us in the Quran, There's no doubt about Allah. Allah told us about the Quran, There's no doubt. This is the heart of the believer in the affliction. So let death come to him and all of us should know we're going to die. I just did a janazah this morning and I noticed we have one of the fitness in our communities and all of it probably exists in every city where we have different groups and everyone's fighting each other. Don't go to this place, don't listen to this person, don't. And then the funeral comes and everyone's in the same masjid praying for the dead person. SubhanAllah. So we know this, how we should be, the death is coming. We should believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. And in the hereafter. Because that's where you're going to have the wane of your deeds. But then there is, this is from the side of the inward state. If you die in the state as a believer in Allah and about the hereafter, you are certain at the end of the day, you're going to be admitted into paradise. So you should be happy, even in the time of fitna. When Ammar ibn Yasir who was being tortured, the Prophet don't worry, be patient. <laughs> be patient. For you is going to be the victory in the hereafter. Be patient. The Prophet, they're torturing him. He's not wanting to throw bad words and want to fight. No. Be patient. I asked my teacher, in Syria, when the fitna was real bad, it's lighter than it was before. According to him, he's there in Damascus living. I said, Sheikhi, why don't you leave and come to us and stay with us? He said, no, I am Shami, I'm not going anywhere. He said, if my heart is attached to Allah, I don't care about where I die. It doesn't matter. That's how those companions were. Their matter was to be attached to Allah. And that's a spiritual state, not just a physical outward display. Really. 
that if the one is connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rest of the matter is easy, even in the time of fitna. That's why the Prophet indicated that. So that's from the state of the heart. What about our dealings? Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, وَلْيَأْتِ إِلَى النَّاسِ الَّذِي يُحِبُّ أَنْ يُؤْتَى إِلَيْهِ Treat people, deal with people the way you would love for them to deal with you. This is the Prophet وَلْيَأْتِ إِلَى النَّاسِ الَّذِي يُحِبُّ أَنْ يُؤْتَى إِلَيْهِ this is a prophetic advice. And we shouldn't look at it as an advice because it is really a command, an order. And when we hear the order of the Prophet all of us should be like the companions and we should say, We hear and we obey. So now on the practical level, how are we going to deal with people? The way we want them to deal with us. If the Prophet ﷺ had a fell in that hole, what he would have wanted someone to do? Bring him out. If one of us, or if the Ummah is traveling a path that's going to fall in, that's going to make them fall in the pit of hell, what should we do? Pull them out. That's how we should be dealing with the people, Muslims and non-Muslims. But ask ourselves, we're in a time of tribulation. We're in a time of a lot of fitna, masaib, washada'id. All of these things are existing. How is our behavior? And we read the Quran. But there is something we should do besides read the Quran. Because there is kira'ah, and then there is a tadabbur wa tafakkur. That is pondering and reflecting on the verses. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us this in the Quran. Do we not ponder and reflect on the Quran? Yeah, that's the Mus'haf. That's the book of the Quran. But we have Al-Quran Yamshi too. We have the Prophet So we should reflect on him. Because he is the implementation of the Qur'an. His character, his behavior was the Qur'an. How are we reflecting on it? How are we thinking about the Prophet in these conditions? And you find that in our nation, the Prophet said, Umatukum, your nation. So in our nation, we find when we're in hardships, we're doing things other than what the Prophet ﷺ and his companions would do. We should examine the world, and I got a sneak preview of Imam Zaid's talk. I think that was part of it. And he was talking about our reality in relation to what's really going on. How powerful can we do? How much can we really do with what the strength we have? But the reality is here what the Prophet ﷺ said. If the Iman is straight, if the conviction is straight, their tanks, their missiles, their drones will not do anything. 
But only when that conviction is rooted deep in the heart. Because from our belief standpoint, Al-Fa'il, the one who really does something, who Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Af'aluna majaziyah. Our actions, they're really figurative. They don't really have a real reality. In the form they do. But in reality, Allah is Al-Fa'alu lima yurid. The one who does whatever he wills. That's a reality. And then when that reality is first, you'll be able to act because you realize nothing has happened except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed it. Fil azim. Eternally, he willed it as it is. And we have to do the things that we're ordered to do. The outcome is destined for us. We read the famous hadith of Jibreel. We hear that the destiny, khayrihi wa sharri. It's good and it's bad. So some of among those things are destined by Allah. They're not pretty. They're difficult. But we have to have iman that this is from Allah. So our teachers used to tell us in this issue, do not worry about what Allah guaranteed for you. But concern yourself what he requests and commands of you. That's what you concern yourself with. Those fitna, the Prophet said they're going to happen. Nothing we can do about it. We make dua, we do all of those things. But they're going to occur as they're going to occur. And someone asks me, what we're going to do if we live during the time of the Dajjal? I said, how about we do something to guarantee ourselves that we're not his followers? You want to? Because many people, if the Dajjal came now, we would be men atba'ihi, among his followers, from our actions and from our states. We fit right in. But if we implement these prophetic advices, Right. We won't be deluded by the Dajjal or anyone else or the dunya or the fitting or anything else or the adversity. No delusion. And Allah tell us about this delusion in the Quran. Ya ayyuhal insanu ma garraka bi rabbikal kareem. Oh human beings, what is deluding you from your Lord? You're seeing things other than the reality and the Prophet made sure that the reality وسلم, was always in front of the companions so they knew how to deal. And the reality was their iman in Allah and in the hereafter. And on the practical level, they treated the people with mercy. And that mercy was to get them out of the hellfire and to admit them into paradise. And that's something we can all practically do every single day of our lives. You can't change what ISIS is doing. And I hope you don't physically go try. A hint. There's an indication. I hope you get it. You can make dua for Afia in this nation. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, when you make dua, ask Allah for Al-Afia. Ask for well-being. It's the best thing you can ask for. 
all the time. And every dua, Allahumma inna nasalaka bi jahin nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-afiyah bid-deena wa dunya wa al-akhirah. Oh Allah, we ask you by the status of the Prophet وسلم, to give us afia in this world, in the religion, and in the hereafter. We can ask for that. That's a practical thing we can do. And we can treat each other the, one, the way we want to be treated. And the reality, how are you going to get out of all of these problems? How the Prophet and his companions ultimately became successful? Number one, they believed in the Quran. And Allah told us in the Quran, Qad The believers are going to be successful. They're going to be winners. Right? As long as they're truthful. They're truthful. They're going to be winners. It's guaranteed. So the concern is, let me die as a believer, right? Because they're guaranteed success. They're guaranteed to be winners. So all the companions were concerned about their faith. So much so that they were accusing themselves of nifaq, hypocrisy. They were con concerned about this issue so much that they were accusing themselves of nifaq. And I think we get out of the point we don't want to accuse ourselves. We are always in the state of kamal, never, never in a state of deficiency. All of us is perfect. And we don't want to admit our, our defects. We should, because through admitting your defects, you're going to become perfected. You're going to become perfected when you realize that truly you are deficient. And you're not meeting the standard. So what do we do so we meet the standard? We drop the bar. So then we can be up. No, raise ourselves up to the bar. And that's on the practical level. Go meet your neighbors. Meet your co-workers. Meet the people in the community. Interact with them and show them what Allah said about the Prophet You have the most high standard of character. The highest standard of excellence in your behavior. That you do everything with ihsan, with excellence. This is within our power, and this is what the companions used to do. This is what the Prophet sallallahu used to do. Five minutes, five minutes. That's what they used to do. And each and every one of us need to become good Muslims. The companions, they were good Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described them, and we take it for us as well. But the address is really to them, you are the best people brought from forth from mankind. Notice You enjoying what is right, you forbid what is wrong, and you believe in Allah. Right? And one of the tricks of shaitan, he has made aqidah an issue of just theological arguing. No, 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 no. That's the outward part of it. We learn aqidah not to argue, to be real believers. To be real believers. And when that arguing comes, it's only to help you become a real believer. You want an example of that? 
Imam Abu Hanifa radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was in Kufa. And he used to go to Basra. That's a four-day journey. A four-day journey. And he went there over 20 times just to teach the people the proper belief. That's it. That's it. Four-day journey and he didn't have a car or no plane. He had to travel the horse. That's how he was moving, walking. Because he knew that if the people's hearts are filled with the right belief, they'll be able to fulfill all these prophetic injunctions. But if that Iman is not there, it's not established, it's not firm, when the adversity come, we're going to be taken away by that adversity. May Allah reward you, may Allah increase you, may Allah give us firm iman, and may Allah protect us from all the seditions. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Oh